My name is Matt Brown. Clark in a straight check. Oh, he didn't need to do that. He threw it away. Hitting Pagese. And let's start the show. The lob, and that will do it. FDU believe it for just the second time ever. A 16 beats a 1. Everybody, the world is a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown, and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is Wednesday, March 22nd, 2023. We have to talk about the Sweet 16. The March Madness tournament has been so freaking great, literally great. Cinderella stories, entertaining games, amazing upsets, inspiring stories so much to talk about so much to soak in and this show is all about that and before we get into the sweet 16 and march madness i just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the productive conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and youtube and don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on productive conversations podcast.com and don't forget to check us out on the world of social media we're on instagram at productive conversations podcast twitter at podcava pod we're on tiktok at productive conversations so as I mentioned just now, March Madness has been a lot of fun. What a extremely intriguing weekend of basketball. The round of 64 lived up to the hype. The round of 32 did as well. And now the Sweet 16 is here and ready to stay. We have a very exciting weekend of college basketball ahead. So this show is action-packed with our productive college basketball team here. Hayden Nadler, Brandon Gutierrez, and... Alex Ronelio are here in an action-packed show, and I'm very proud of the final product and how things all unfolded. Really good stuff there. And besides that, and something to mention, is Russ Miller is checking in for a few minutes to give us his thoughts on the Sweet 16 as well. So it's a lot of fun. I will let these great guys give the analysis themselves as well as I throw my two cents of where I think things are going with this tournament. And it's going to be a lot of fun. So let's get to it. Alex, Brandon, and Hayden, it's your guys' turn once again. And stay tuned for Russ after that. Let us preview the Sweet 16 and let us reflect on the beginning of this tournament. Alex, Brandon, and Hayden, it's your guys' turn. And don't forget to stick around for Russ after that and hear his picks as our handicapper for this podcast. So let's get to it, everybody. Here we go. This is a very productive conversation. So... Well, this past weekend, I saw a lot of college basketball, as I assume everybody else did. And it went from 68 teams to just 16 left. And these last few days have been nothing but stellar. We've seen upsets. We've seen Cinderella stories. We've seen intensity. We saw teams that we thought were giving up, then they wound up pushing through and all this and more. And now we're at the Sweet 16, which tips off this Thursday. So the productive college men's basketball team is here to preview the Sweet 16 and look at the round of 64 and 32. So lots of fun things going on with March Madness. Brandon, Alex, and Hayden are here. Guys, tell me what you think of the tournament so far. 
Um, I mean, the tournament has been crazy so far. Um, obviously, one of the highlights would be Fairleigh Dickinson beating Purdue with Zach Eady in their seven foot four center. Um, the thing that I think really stands out to me is a lot of these Jersey schools that have been winning St. Peter's, um, Fairleigh Dickinson, uh, Princeton, um, St. Peter's, and, and Fairleigh Dickinson more. They're from more middle class areas. Um, they're from areas where they're not necessarily getting the exposure that these other schools are getting, but I think this really proves that um, people are really just willing for willing for that one opportunity to get. And I think they they've been playing their whole lives for that one opportunity. And I feel like people they don't have these teams they don't have the facilities. They're just playing more for the love of the game. It's not necessarily about their brand or the NIL deals, but it's more about just playing basketball with heart and more about a team concept. And I think that really showed that. If you have a proper team concept and you have a team that's really willing to grind and work work hard despite the facilities and despite the infrastructures that you have, um, not being as strong that you can compete with these top teams based off a team concept and a belief in yourself. True fundamental basketball is shown throughout. And as you mentioned, we saw a 16 beat a one seed for the only the second time in tournament history. We've seen a 15 beat a two, a 14 beat a three, just pure, straight basketball yeah go we'll go before it probably uh, oh yeah i was just the main main difficulty for me was purdue that blew up my bracket pretty bad <laughs> that kitty wasn't enough uh you know they just struggled they got scared in the in the second half didn't shoot from the three at all and just literally put all their 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 stones on zach e to the score and the team just knew how to how to beat that. They literally just triple teamed him every time he got the ball in the paint. Right. And I, and, um, I think it shows with the fairly Dickinson and we get hit on a little bit there, but, um, yeah, the double team on Zach Eady specifically, just the coach was right. Tobin Anderson. Well, he's going to Iona, but he yeah, said, yeah, we match, up. we match really well against them. And uh, that will forever live in the uh, hearts of Teaneck, New Jersey. Renelio, I don't mean to interrupt you, but you're about to say something. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, um, I know we're sticking to the first weekend. I thought that, obviously, like the Kansas losing to Arkansas was huge. Um, I thought that all year, I thought all the one seeds still had a crack in their armor. I didn't think anybody was, like, battle-tested where they could be proven to be running the entire the entire tournament all the way through. So I thought that Kansas was a huge one to fall as well. Um, and then <clears throat> I think, uh, what was the, um, shit. Sorry, I just lost it. But um, yeah, I think Miami beating Indiana, I know it wasn't really as much of an upset in the second round, but I thought that Indiana was a team that I had going very far, at least to the, at the, uh, the eight at a minimum. Yeah. And I was yep. a big fan of Trace Jackson Davis, so I thought that Miami was a huge uh, upset that a lot of people didn't see, especially with a down year in the ACC. It's hard to kind of weigh these teams. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you see, like, a lot of shakeups in the second round. I think the one that we all kind of saw coming, or at least I did, was the Furman, Virginia. I thought that was such a huge upset, but um, seen it a mile away coming. And um, I really loved uh, seeing, you know, Princeton obviously like knock down Arizona because yeah, while we busted a lot of people's brackets, it was like, wow, you know, like people, like anybody, like 15, like can not only just beat a two, 
But the fact that like you see an Ivy League beating like a top Pac-12 team that people had going real deep is like a huge like factor, like a huge equalizer. Tell me about your favorite upset or those most starstruck in the tournament so far. Um, I mean, my favorite upset probably has to be. Um, I would say it's actually Princeton over Arizona. That was my favorite upset so far. Even more that was than a good game. Even more than Philly Dickinson over Purdue because I thought I thought Arizona was a better team coming in than than Purdue was. The Furman game for me, one point, man. It was one point, one mistake play. He made the three, uh, or uh, yeah, that I think was it was like, a. <laughs> that, that the way that sequence went, it looked like they were purposely losing. He literally threw the ball from all the way to the end of the paint to no man's land, and yeah. well, they got it at a perfect bounce pass to an open look. And Furman has a special memory from here on out. Like, yes, they do. I mean, how? I just don't get how that happened. Like, that was literally one of the worst sequences in not only it, it happened in the blink of an eye. In high school, professional, college, the on the street, street ball, that was as bad as it got. And I didn't really. I was trying to look, research uh, the coach reaction. That it's just, just why? What was Virginia thinking? I don't know, man. They have. I don't know what they do next after that. That's just. I had, a, I had serious doubts about. Tony Bennett going into the tournament because how they lost to the 16 a couple years ago. So I, 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 situational basketball, like you have to have, they, they have to train, you know, and practice that inbounds play like over and over and over again, because they know they're going to be in tight situations, even if you're heavily favored in the first round. So I think it was just a huge disappointment on a coaching level. But for me, the biggest upset easily had to have been Arkansas, Kansas, because I had Kansas going real deep. Oh, yeah, I can just yeah. – yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah uh, same here. I had him going uh... – What was that? Sorry? Bill Self was missed. He left yeah. for health reasons. Yeah. Yeah. And still made a push. How about the close upset? We almost saw Houston fall to Auburn. <laughs> It seems like they were about to almost give up and cash their checks in. But I don't know. Something just snapped in them to keep them going, and that momentum will take them. Yep. That, on, yeah. For some, In that second half, they were just – they were playing sloppy going into the second. And then, uh, honestly, the team they remind me of really was like uh, UConn, where they just played a bad half, and they just mm-hmm. – they, they, you know, they corrected – and then once they found themselves back to where they need to play to their strengths, that's when they open the gap up and Auburn lost their chance. Yeah, I, I think, mean, oh sorry, I'll, I'll go to Alex. Oh, I was, real quick. I think the biggest disappointment, if we could do a little sidebar category here, would be Michigan State beating Marquette because I had Marquette way overvalued than what I think a lot of other people did. So, yeah, I had Marquette too, but I did. Uh, I didn't know Michigan State was going to be that good. I had yeah, Michigan State they're, they're really beating Marquette, Marquette, actually, so I guess okay. I got that one. Um, Michigan State had some tough and ugly losses in the Big 12 this year. Uh, sorry, the Big 10 this year. And um, Wait, they're not a Big 10 school. Sorry. Um, they Michigan, had, State Michigan State's a Big 10 school. Yeah, they, yeah I'm, why am I blanking? Sorry. Michigan State. Did not play well. I really, in the season, there were some ugly losses, especially amongst the horrific tragedy that took place on campus in December. But it seems that February and January, Tom Izzo is snapping out of it. And they got some major wins, and they'll be playing in the Garden this weekend. 
I think another big one was the the, the Memphis game, to be honest with you, Memphis versus Florida, uh, Florida Atlantic. Yes, FAU took that. They were not messing around. And um, that was another one-point game. It was 65-66. I mean, but the big thing here, we could tie this together, and Hayden, I know you really wanted to really give your um, thoughts on this with FDU winning. And uh, even though they won once and they – the only one they were able to make history, they, they defeat the uh, number one seeded Purdue, as we talked about a little earlier. And um, they had a tough game against FAU at first against the Owls. They were not playing well. They were started out being down by nine, and then they just kept pushing through. And as Tobin Anderson said, they're only a 6-0 run away from me- making it to the Sweet 16. And even though they were only able to win one game in – the tournament this year, they took the whole country by storm. And how can you not like what this team pulled off at T-neck? Hayden, tell me more about your fascination with FDU in this and their Cinderella story here. I mean, it's just interesting. Like the enrollment, if you compare FDU to Purdue, um, one of the, one school is one of the biggest schools in the Midwest. I feel like it's a more regional school in, in New Jersey. Um, you don't get the same type of students, same type of demographic. So it really proves that, um, anyone it could beat anyone, despite the fact of the discrepancy between the budgets of the school, the size, the endowments, the money. Um, it just really shows that if you play good team basketball, you, you can beat anyone on a given day. Clearly, you can literally flip a coin, it seems, sometimes with this tournament and fill out your bracket that way. I mean, it, there's a reason why that um, it's literally impossible to get every single one right. Yeah, people still try and try. I mean, what people don't realize also is that these are still division one schools. Like they're still playing at the highest level, even though like yeah. they're not necessarily in the power five conferences. Like you still have to be incredibly good. Like these people were recruited out of high school. Um, they're highly, highly talented players that maybe could get more exposure in terms of making it to the NBA or playing professional overseas. Um, I know even at Quinnipiac, we have a bunch of guys right now who are playing overseas in Europe, and then we have one guy who's in the G League. So there's a lot of good players in these conferences, these mid-major conferences that just need more exposure, like the MAC, the Colonial, the Northeast, um, the, the MEAC, the SWAC, the WAC. All these conferences still have great players. So mm-hmm. it's like they, you know, they can play on any given day. So and that, you know, and that's a great point, absolutely. And it also shows that one of the reasons why these mid-majors might have an advantage over some other schools is the fact that most of these kids are playing all four years together as a team. They have a legit class. And we know with these Power 5 schools, lots of them are one and done, or a lot of their major recruits just become professional right away. So that's why they're able to make these upsets throughout the history of this tournament because you have – it is an interesting dynamic. How – what is it like when you put the very best who've only played one year, who have the NBA on their mind right away, and then another team that they may or may not be scholarship students, they play cohesive basketball, they're not playing that ISO ball, it just shows the differences in why people somewhat, why some people like the Cos game more than the NBA, because those power fives are just eventually going to be these NBA ISO stars, and then colleges as teamwork teamwork as it gets and yeah just just uh one more one more point on that um like a lot of these mid-majors too aren't necessarily being scouted by the power five teams they're playing 
So there's not necessarily as much information. So that makes it a little bit harder for the Power Five teams necessarily to prepare for their style of play because they haven't have they haven't played them as much or there isn't as much information on them to scout. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So yep. that's why this is such an awesome ass tournament. It doesn't get any better than this. And now um we can say <clears throat> goodbye to the casuals. The people of the bracket busted, and now we can really focus on the Sweet 16 here. And as we uh, will quickly preview each of these matches and see out of these Sweet 16s, we think could be the final four. Um, just some things to 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 um, notice. Hayden, your San Diego State pick is looking pretty good so far. Yeah, I I have them going to the championship actually this this year. Um, yeah. I think they have one of the best defensive teams in the country. Um, I feel like their style of play is great, and I feel like they match it well with any other team in the tournament right now. Yes. And I think, I think they're going to beat Alabama on, on Friday. Okay, okay. Um, Alex, you're, as you said, Kansas is gone, Marquette, but you still have Baylor and uh, Texas still in there? No, Baylor, Baylor lost. Sorry, Baylor, sorry. Baylor, Baylor lost to Creighton. Baylor lost to Creighton. You still have Texas in there? Yo, I feel extra good about Texas. I, it's going to be tough going up against Xavier, but um, – uh, I, that's probably like the most confident pick I had to win the chip, and that's why I picked them. Mm-hmm. So, um, and another one, Hayden, Tennessee t- knocking out Duke, yep. and I really like Duke coming in picking this tournament. But one of the frustrating things with it is that it wasn't announced till essentially the tip off that their best player was out, got injured in practice. And you can have the what if mantra there, but do you think Tennessee would be able to pull off this win if Duke was at full strength? Um, that's a tough question. I actually do. I think Tennessee was the better team all year. Mm-hmm. I I I totally concur that too. I think they won pretty handily for a reason, and I think that you know it, the second round in um, <clears throat> first weekend in the tournament, you're still going to have coaching advantages, and I thought it was easy pickings to go you know, against a one-year, uh, first-year coach. Right. And some of our other available schools left with me, Marquette is gone. Um, I actually have three of my final four still in there. With oh, good. Bama, Bama is able – Bama has play, had a pretty good tournament. They really had nothing to really sweat or worry about. They've just been taking care of things. Um Seems they're if at this moment the off field the off the court distractions with the Brandon Miller case hasn't unfolded and they I think that's a team to really look out for because of how nonchalant they're playing and we'll see what they will happen when they get deeper in the tournament but um, so far so good there any comments with that Brandon you had Alabama as well in your final four yeah uh, yeah I'm confident in Alabama I think they're a really good unit they're tall athletic. They just have a lot of good pieces. I just, I think they're gonna just cruise their way to. I think they'll have a little bit of of a fight against San Diego State. San Diego State does look very, very well. Uh, I watched them against the the firm. I watched the Furman game, and they did look pretty cohesive. Like they were uh, a good team, and I think just Alabama just needs to not underestimate them. Come in, play their game, and I think they'll come out with a win. And uh, the one thing for the uh, three Connecticut natives to represent, UConn is still in it, looking oh. like the uh, 14-0 and start UConn Huskies right I, now. I would I would say I'm a Connecticut alum because I went to school there. So, you know, I, 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 you're, I, I you're, can cover You that. got it, Hayden. You're part of the crew. So we all have Connecticut say. ties here. 
Even though at first, if I were research correct, you were feeling them, but do you think has UConn changed your oh, mind UConn the way they play? Shock me. UConn's been the best team in the entire tournament. Like I yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> if I'm gonna go a champion right now, like just off the way they played, I would take UConn to win the whole thing right now. Like they've been yeah, UConn, they've I really think... played that well. Like I, I was shocked how well they've played this so far. On, it's the depth, man. It's just that we're constantly we have so many you know, different players on that team that we we can you know switch it up when things get cold on offense. Switch it up mm-hmm. when defense is not working. That we're so you know lengthy in our bench that you know it just throws teams off. When you know if Sonogo's not playing well, we can throw Klingon in, and if you know yeah. Newton's not having a game, we you know we still have Andrew Jackson or um, uh, Diara as yep. well. Malene, yep. And yeah, the, the thing with that's nice about uh, UConn is that you can get like a solid two, three, four minutes out of any guy. So go eight, nine deep and, you know, have the bodies to be able to stack up and, you know, and, and draw fouls on the offense. Um, I think that they've been way more impressive. I mean, we knew that they were pretty undervalued at a four seed. They should have been a three, maybe a two, um, you know, finishing in the AP top 11. So I thought that. Um, they looked, you know, as dominant, probably more impressive than we even expected. But certainly for me, they they shocked me. The one, the one I was really shocked about, um, <clears throat> that was, um, you know, highly impressive to me, was uh, was Creighton because I I thought that Creighton had a real had a real slump in the middle of the season. I, I didn't know how they were going to bounce back, but beating Baylor really surprised me. And I thought that Baylor would have gave Alabama a deeper, you know, a deeper push in the Elite Eight, but Seeing what uh, Creighton has put up against Baylor in the last round, I think that uh, Creighton could be really formidable against Bama if they en- end up beating San Diego. Yes, and it's going to be a lot of fun with that. And why don't we quickly hit on each region and preview the Sweet 16 once and for all. And four teams are left for each region. We can see and come to a consensus who we think will make the final four of what's left and have some fun that way. So for our first matchup, Alabama and San Diego State. Where do we see this going? Hayden, you mentioned you like San Diego State. Um, I've heard Bama talk about yeah, you know, We'll see if they finally have a uh, some competition, if you will, beating Maryland and um, Texas A&M, CC out of it. And um, why don't we talk more about this matchup and see where we think this is going. Hayden, can you explain to me some more why I like San Diego State? And if Alex and Brandon want to, do you guys take the Bama side on this? Yeah, I mean, San Diego State right now is uh, one of the best defensive teams in the country. I believe holding teams to about 63.9 points a game. Um, I definitely feel like they're going to be able to slow it down versus Brandon Miller and their guards. Um, I just like San Diego State in the game. I I feel like their tempo, the, the way they play, um, is going to be tough for opponents. Uh, they right now in the last last five games they played, they are allowing teams under under sixty under sixty sixty one points or less in the last five games they played. So their defense is incredibly good. Um, I think they're going to be able to defend defend uh, Bama and really frustrate them because they haven't played a team defensively like San Diego State all year. Um, they have one of the, they have one of the um, they have one of the the best coaches in the country in Brian Dutcher. He was a former assistant under, I want to say, Steve Fisher at um at Michigan during the Fab Five. So he's been around for a while, um, and I definitely feel like 
this is going to be something that's really, really going to frustrate Bama. If they play a one-three-one zone, so they're one of the few teams in the country that plays that. It's going to. Be, I, I don't think Bama's going to be able to respond well to it because they haven't played a team defensively like um. They haven't played a team defensively like San Diego State. Yep. Yeah. So that's my take. I know everyone likes Bama in here, but I'll let you guys explain why. Uh, you guys like Bama. I like Bama. I'll keep I'll keep it short and sweet. I like Bama. Um, they have the bodies. They're almost equally, if not um, on par defensively. I understand San Diego State is 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 stout defensively, but I think they have the bodies to prove it. They have the length um, with Bama. Um, so I'll take Bama here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, I, you might have a point with their defense. I just I don't know if it's going to be enough. Uh, Alabama's a really strong offensive team. So the 1-3-1 might help, you know, do something, but I just think that it's going to be hard to stop Brandon Miller. I think uh, your biggest concern being San Diego State is controlling your fouls and turnovers because that's where Alabama will thrive and, and definitely make it a dent against them. All right, great perspectives on both sides. Now, let's look at Creighton and Princeton. The Princeton Tigers, they themselves have had an incredible Cinderella story, and they are in the Sweet 16. Grace up there, Creighton, who had um, some struggles early on this season, up and down, but they are making a push. And who knows, maybe in the sentimental side of things, unfortunately, former Creighton, Alum Willis Reed, an NBA great Knicks legend, passed away the day of this recording, and he's alum to Creighton. Wouldn't that be a nice story themselves if they can make a push to the Final Four amongst this? So with this, do the does Princeton and the Ivy League kids make a run for it? Are they going to keep it going? Are they going to make the Elite Eight like a 15 seed did last year in St. Peter's? Or is Creighton going to take care of it and knock their dreams out and uh, disappoint all the uh, really rich Ivy League people over there? Because, you know, they need something to uh, to uh, keep going and working yeah. out for them. I think uh, uh, Creighton, it's like, it feels like their time. It feels like they're they're hot at the right time of the, t- uh, the tournament. And the reality is that if you watch the way that Princeton plays – they take advantage of spacing, um, you know, open transition, three balls, slashing, um, you know, they're obviously like <laughs> they don't have the athletes that the other, these other teams do. But I just it just feels like, you know, with Kalkbrenner and um, some of these three and D guys that Creighton has, I feel like that they can um, just kind of impose their will and get hot when 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 the time is right. And I, I would take Creighton here. Um, I mean, this is a really tough game for me to predict. Um, the 15 seeds playing really well. It is tough. Um, I mean, I I like Creighton in this game, but I'm not gonna put it. I'm not gonna put it like my house on it or anything because I've seen with these Cinderella stories when these 15 seeds play and get hot in the tournament, they can really beat anyone on like no matter what because there's there's a certain belief that this is their moment, like this is their time to shock the world. So I feel like they're. I feel like. Um, I don't know. I feel like uh, Princeton's playing more with house money than than uh, than Creighton in terms of the way they play. I don't necessarily think Princeton has seen the team as fast in transition or as fast running on the court uh, offensively as as Creighton or a team as well coached as Creighton. So I definitely feel like that's going to work on the favor. I would take Creighton in a close game about seventy to 60, 63. Like a very, it's going to be a very close game, but 
Um, I'm taking I'm taking Creighton in this game, but would not be surprised if Princeton won. But I'm taking Creighton. That's who I think is uh that's who I think is the the better team in this. And Greg McDermott is in his twelfth year. He's done a fantastic job. He knows his players. He knows the team. He's been the coach since twenty ten. And um yeah, that's the team I'm gonna take. Creighton. I'm taking Creighton. And for, in and for what it's worth, the uh Princeton is a ten point underdog in this. So, um, uh, I think they'll cover that. I don't think they should be a ten point underdog. But no, it'll definitely be like more like five. I would say within five. I would say seven and a half is the right number. I, I would I would take the under. I would take the uh, the spread for Princeton on that. Yeah, I, the, I'm going Creighton too. My biggest thing is they just need to have their 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 uh, two guards. I think it's Alexander and. Kaluma, uh, Kaluma, I think it's. they he they both need to have a great game offensively as well as Kalkburner. He needs to lock down the paint. I think it's, uh, Creighton plays a good defensive game. Uh, I think it'll be a pretty good game and that they can pull out the win. Great insight on this. Now, if we look over, so it looks like um, we have a mixed bag, but it seems mostly. Mixed bag with Alabama and San Diego State. We'll toss that up, but it seems like the consensus here that the Cinderella story will end for Princeton and Creighton will move on. But it should be very interesting. Both games are going to take place on Thursday. No, sorry, Friday. No, Friday. Yep. Um, but going to the Thursday games in the East region, we have the FAU te- we have the FAU Owls and the Tennessee Volunteers. FAU's won over 30 games. They've been pretty explosive in their offense. Um, but we see that they could slip at times as well. If they could slip against FDU, what makes a I mean, go now going up against a powerhouse Tennessee team might be a little hard of a chal- a little harder of a challenge. So, where do we see this going? And by the spread is minus five and a half for Tennessee. Yeah, I, mean, I would I, say Tennessee. I like Tennessee oh. in the game as well. Yeah, me, me, me too. I think that they're like a tremendous team all year, and um, FAU. You know, it's it, one of these smaller schools that outperforms and and really does um, exceptional. You know, during the regular season, I they usually don't last after the first weekend. I see this kind of the same way. Um, and that would be kind of my argument with uh, um, what's the school we were just talking about as well with Princeton. I, I see Princeton usually having like a great first weekend and then kind of falling off. So I feel the same way about this matchup. Yeah, I mean, their coach Dusty May is probably looking for another power five author after um, after guiding Florida Atlantic to the Sweet 16. Um, there he's going to be recruited now, just like just like uh, Toby Anderson went to Iona. Um, a lot of these mid-major schools, once they make one big run, they get they get offered somewhere else. So, yes. interesting, yeah, interesting I just don't think that. Florida Atlantic has the offensive power. I, throughout the regular season, they were one of the worst offensive teams in the country. I think they were like ranked like five from the back. So I just don't think they have the offensive power to keep up with Tennessee. And I think Tennessee is a better defensive team than FDU. And as you saw with the Memphis game, it was only one point difference and Memphis is a pretty good defensive team that just shows you that in Memphis compared to Tennessee Tennessee is way better I think it's gonna it's gonna be a pretty easy game for Tennessee and the other matchup that's taking place at Madison Square Garden on Friday for this region this is definitely could go either way it's just a two-point difference here the spread is just two points we have Kansas State and Michigan State 
the two state schools from these respective states. Both teams have been interesting to watch this entire tournament. Who's going to take this one, guys? Um, I have Michigan State being Kansas State. Um, I feel like uh, Michigan State's been battle-tested under all these years with Tom Izzo. Tom Izzo has actually made 25 straight tournaments, which is the longest streak in NCAA history. So he's one of the best coaches ever. Um, I just feel like Michigan State's a little more battle-tested than Kansas State. And I definitely feel like they're going to prevail in this game. I think they have more experience than the Big Ten. Um, I think the Big Ten has been a better, a little bit slightly better of a conference than the Big 12 where Kansas State plays in. So um, they just beat Marquette, who was, by a lot of pundits, one of the best teams in the whole tournament, with Shaka Smart leading them. And I feel like they carry that one last game beat Kansas State. And we want to it. Can you repeat that one more time? I think you put your hand on your mic. Just that last okay. part. Um, I think Michigan State's going to be Kansas State. Hmm. Yeah, your mic's, uh, your mic's out. out. Oh, it is? Hold on. Oh, no, no, you're good now. Oh, no, you're good now. now you're good. Now you're good. Yeah, you just finished that last thought. I think uh, Michigan State's going to be Kansas State and move on to the lead. Mm-hmm. All well, right. We went with, the, we went with um, the hot hand of, like, who the coaches are making their name and getting hiring jobs and getting prospects for new schools. I think this is Jerome Tang's moment to take the next level. I was hot on K-State from the beginning of the tournament, and I think that they're going to do they're, – they're going to win out here against um, against Michigan State. I think that uh, this team, they have the bodies, they have the leadership. Um, I think that they're just going to keep riding this energy and they're, they're going to bring it home. <clears throat> mean mugging, guys. Now let's yeah. check out the Midwest Conference. Um, Wait, sorry, did I skip you, Brian? Uh, yeah, I, I, that's the hardest. This is probably the hardest game of uh, to me to call. To be honest, uh, I'm really impressed how Michigan State's playing, uh, especially with Tom Izzo and Kansas State has been playing very good. I don't know uh, if I had to. I have to go with Kansas State. I think just in the moment right now, uh, coming off of uh, you know beating Kentucky and and uh, coming off that. Out of a game, I think uh, they they have what it takes to beat Michigan State, but I could also be wrong because I think Michigan State has proven themselves to be ready for this tournament to make a a pretty long run too. Yeah, this is the team. They're playing team basketball. I'm going with the Spartans on that matchup as well. So let's and I apologize for skipping you, Brandon. My bad. I was so excited to talk (laughs) about this matchup because I think to me this is a really interesting one here. So we have in the Midwest. We have the Miami Hurricanes taking on the Houston Cougars in this one. The one versus the five seed. The spread is uh, minus seven for Houston. Now, a lot of people think, well, that's quite a big spread. How could this game be close? But after Houston's little debacle, but able to make up for it. And for Miami um, being playing very consistent in this tournament. I think it's a very interesting matchup of two different philosophies of this one of this team that could do real wrong and a team that is trying to get respect in the college basketball realm. They've been very interesting over the past few years, and I've liked seeing what I've seen from the Hurricanes, but I think Houston will ultimately keep it going as the favorite in this tournament and defeat Miami and move on to the lead eight. Yeah, I mean, I'll go off what you said, Matt. Uh, Miami's been an interesting team over the years. They've definitely made deep runs, I believe, with Jim Laranega as their coach. Um, he was a formerly the coach at uh, 
at George Mason when they made that run to the to Final yes. Four. Yes, beat destroyed um, UConn's but, hearts. Though, uh, yeah, I mean, it, I feel like Miami's been incredible, but I feel like it comes to an end with Houston. I, I believe Houston, the two teams I feel like will be playing for the national championship if, if they're not in opposite regions would be UConn and Houston. Those are the two best teams right now, in my opinion. I hope and that the, works. I picked that as the final two. So I, I feel like right now, if I'm just going off there, how they're playing, those are the two teams I've picked to be in the championships. Um, Houston and, uh, Houston, San Diego state and, uh, and UConn, I think are the three best teams in the tournament right now. Uh, I would, I'm going Houston too. I think, um, Miami struggled a little bit against Drake in the first round. Uh, and then, I don't know what happened to Indiana that second round game. I expected more from them, but I think Houston's just too strong on defense and offense. Uh, Sasser's just a you know a game changer. Um, I think it's going to be hard for Miami to stop him. Him and Walker. Well, here's the deal. I picked against Miami for mm-hmm. two rounds. Um, I don't know if I can do it again. I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta take the upset here and ride with Miami. Um, you know, if it's not Wong getting hot, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be Pack or it's going to be Poplar or it's going to be Almir. I someone's going to get hot um, the way that he did last last game. He had 27 against them um, against Indiana, and I was really hot on Indiana, so that really hit me in the face harder than most. Um, but um, I'm just going to ride with Miami here and just, uh, you know, and just and just just go for it. That's all you could do in this tournament. That's all you could do. And the other Midwest matchup, we have Xavier. Maybe finally getting some respect from this tournament. Um, After some debacles this year, they're playing against a very hot Texas team. So we have Xavier in Texas. Spreaders is minus four. Alex, is your... Remaining Final Four team going to fulfill that prophecy and beat this Xavier team that's really hot now? So this is either Texas' year or this is the year of the Big East because mm-hmm. um, everybody's hot in the Big East right now except for Marquette just being kind of a floppy, sloppy six. So I I see Texas prevailing in a real, real tight matchup. Um, I wouldn't put any money on this, kind of like Hayden felt about the Princeton game with Creighton. Um, I think it's a toss-up, but I, if I have to go with my gut, I'm going with Texas because both teams are very hot right now, but I got I to gotta be true to my heart in terms of who I picked for the championship. I'm going opposite. <laughs> As someone that was talking a lot about how Xavier was going to get knocked out, oh. uh, I think I had him get knocked out – Second round, uh, they are playing absolutely amazing. Uh, I don't know what happened or who, what, what, what kind of conversation they had in that locker room to change how they're playing offensively and defensively. But uh, I'm going Xavier. Uh, I believe in Nunji. I think uh, he's going to be the game changer. He needs to have a great game, and uh, I can't, I can't, I can't keep betting against him. Yeah, I'm, I'm, go- I'm going Xavier too in this game. Um, I feel like their star player, who, who you just said, what was his name again? Nunji. Uh, yeah. I like him to, to dominate in this game. I feel like they're going to they're gonna prevail over Texas. Let's he go. A, he had a monster game-saving uh, uh, block against Pitt, right? Didn't he? Yeah, yeah. right off yeah. the backboard. Yep. Man, he's, he's, he's the real deal. 
he's like um like a player I like too is uh Klingon. I like Klingon a lot from Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Next year you'll see way more of Klingon. Uh mm-hmm. I, I think that they're gonna put it push he's him to beast. the starting role. He's an absolute beast. I was surprised how good he played in that tournament. He was dominant versus Iona. Mm. Now the final region. Arkansas versus UConn. We have the Razorbacks against the Huskies playing on Thursday at 7-15. Oh, I'll be there sharp. Yeah, I mean, I like UConn in this game as a Connecticut guy who went to school there. Um, I mean, I think it's good for the state of Connecticut. The rest of Connecticut needs to catch up because New Jersey's had its run recently with St. Peter's and Fairleigh Dickinson um, and Princeton, so... Connecticut really needs to catch up to the rest of the the, the Northeast. So Quinnipiac, yeah. Yale, Central Connecticut State, um, Hartford. Not exactly the best crop of basketball schools in Connecticut, but hey, you never know. Hartford's a disgrace right now. You never know that they, they can one day they can one day they can one day make it to like they may like make the comeback to D one. Um, so you know, Quinnipiac has, has never even made the NCAA tournament. So you know, I have that going for me, unfortunately. But Hayden, will you be there when uh, you when um, Quinnipiac plays Duke as a one versus sixteen seed? Oh yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. I'll be there. I mean, I, I I go there for their hockey tournaments. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm going <laughs> pretty good I'm, at hockey, right? Yeah, I'm going. They're, they're playing in the Sweet Sixteen of hockey, so I'm going Friday for that. But. Ooh, it's where? just it would be nice if you know our our coach is getting paid a million almost a million dollars and and can't oh, lead really? us to an, an NCAA tournament. Hmm. So it, it's a little sad, but all right. So get back on point. I I want to um I, I think that the, the the real the real linchpin here with uh, the big magic that I want to see is Ricky Council versus point guard by committee that that is UConn. I think that they're like really strong everywhere on the court. Um, they probably have the upper hand advantage in every position except for the point guard. It's going to be interesting to see what Dan Hurley throws at at council in this Arkansas backcourt. I think that having, you know, a bunch of guys uh, coming in, um, maybe you don't start Newton, maybe you start Aline or Diara, some guy that kind of undercut him and kind of get that bat, pat Bev approach that you would get, you know, kind of getting under someone's skin right off the gate. Um, the reality is that UConn hasn't been very hot and impressive in the first half. They kind of survey and see what the defense um, is being presented to them is in the first half, and they kind of take advantage of that and kind of rack up uh, fouls in the first half. So I think that <clears throat> I I think that Dan Hurley is going to try a few different things in this game. The one thing I've been pleading and almost virtually um, stampeding a com- campaign about is you gotta try, just try even for like a minute or two minutes, put your twin towers together with snow going clinging, just see what happens. Because the reality is that you could punish this team in, in, inside and they could have done it the, the past few rounds with height advantages against St. Mary's. So I, I just think that, <clears throat> that I think this is a perfect opportunity, you know, to play a team that, um, has real huge size advantages, and you got to figure out a way to um, turn down Ricky Council and uh, maybe try try to throw some things at him. And I think this you team can, can can pull it off to do that. Yeah, I think you got can do it. I, you know, going off of Alex, I think like you said, trying trying to probably putting Dr in to be that the nuisance point yeah. guard and really getting uh, inside. Uh, council's face and making it hard for him to facilitate the ball would be a great idea. Uh, I love the idea of putting uh, 
Klingon and Sonoguin at the same time. But uh, I think I, we talked about it before. I think the biggest concern is pacing when you put those guys in. Um, they really, you know, Klingon is very good, but I don't think he's fast enough right now to be able to play D on the on the perimeter and be able to rotate back to the paint that fast. Sonogo, on the other hand, can do it. So I know Sonogo can. I just think that we're just we'll be too slow. And if a team puts in uh, like uh, two two guards and a fast forward, we're going to get outpaced very fast. Well, the, the, the issue is you have to control the pace. You have to basically imply a half court set where you're using the full shot clock, and you have to basically squeeze every ounce of defense out of them on the other end and exhaust them. So if you're going to have Dr. or Ali undercutting them as like the pit bulls to kind of enforce the back court to really work, you got to have to basically set the tone and make it a half court offense game. Yeah, I get it. First sweet sixteen in nine years. What a crazy yeah, story! Twenty fourteen. Twenty fourteen. Yeah. Yeah, when they won it all. Yeah, and, when they went with Kevin Ollie. Yeah, and it's it's crazy, you know. Jim Calhoun started truly started that program from scratch. He takes three NCAA tournament titles as alone. Sorry, he takes two alone with him. Kevin Ollie. Ah, ah. Sorry. He took he three national championships. He got it. Ninety nine, oh four, eleven. Then Kevin Ali and then Dan Hurley just changing the coaches and the right coaches and still being relevant. Some pretty cool stuff, huh? Yeah. I think uh, UConn's making it to the Final Four. Since my – I still have three of my Final Fours in, but, uh, yeah. you know, I had Purdue taking it all, so, you know, that that's out of it. Right now I'm back on the UConn wave, and uh, I think it's very possible to make yeah. it to the championship. This is one of my best brackets. I have six of the eight um, Final Four uh, Elite Eight um, still available. Um, <laughs> and uh, I just want to recognize uh, Sonogo played absolutely amazing against uh, Iona. Yep. You know, everyone was talking about Rick Pitino, but uh, yeah, they didn't have. A all I gotta say is he did drop. Was it like twenty four points, thirteen rebounds? I think he was the. Uh, there was only three people that I think that did it. I think one of them was um, NBA legend. What's his name? Ray Allen, and yep. then there was one other person, and Sonogo was the third. I yep. think it's uh, Sonogo's playing out of mind. This is the Sonogo I've been wanting all year, regular season, all year, because this is his. This is his at the top of his potential. This is what he was meant to be. Like when they had connections, yeah. he was supposed to be Big East Player of the Year, and he's he's playing he's playing like it at the right time. Is he going to yeah. be good in the NBA? <laughs> We'll see. I don't think he's an M- – we'll see. I don't think he's an NBA center. That's the mm-hmm. thing. I he's think, not uh, anymore. <laughs> uh, I think we got a couple. I think well, like exactly. Cole Turner. Yeah, yeah, I'm just – I'm saying – Paul with Skinny. The, with the cent- the, just the center, the position, the NBA is It's diminished. not the same center as it once was. You know, like yeah. back in the day with the, the Andre, you know, uh, uh, Andre Drenum, you know what I mean? Like very Andre big – uh, yeah. yeah. Like you know, rebound the ball, slam the ball in at the at the at the at the rim. Today's centers are more, you know, you want more of a power four that can also span the perimeter, shoot the three, and also facilitate ball if need be. And yeah. you know, that's hard to come by. He reminds me, like at his ceiling capacity, if he plays his cards right and stays healthy and stays, you know, fresh. I think he could be like a Clint Capella type, like an yeah, under. 
run the floor, put all your energy out there and just, you know, just be a f- facilitator. Mm-hmm. And uh, is Rick Pitino going to lead St. John's to a national it, championship? Yeah. Yep. It's confirmed. He's going to St. John's. Uh, is he going to lead them to a national I championship and get three? They're going to be relevant now. I don't necessarily know how much postseason success they get, but I think they should make the NCAA. It's going to take a year. I think, you know, Rick Pitino needs to come in, you know, restructure the program, how he how he likes to run his teams, and, you know, maybe get um, some new recruits in. Yeah, he, he basically said um, that most of the players aren't going to return next year. Um, but he did name one player uh, from St. John's as, to be the captain, Joel Soriano, the center. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was one of the best players, so that's so an interesting, I, interesting factor. It, it, to me, next year is a rebuilding year. I wouldn't like count them out to have a bad, a terrible season. I think they'll be like a middle, middle of the pack team, and with the potential to do good, depending on who they get, and uh, you know uh, when the portal I mean, opens with transfers and stuff like that. that I think- what Rick Pitino's do, he's going to recruit the inner city kids. Like they're going to want to come play at St. John's again. Like you're going to get kids from Queens, Brooklyn, the Bronx. I feel like. St. John's is going to be the place now. So they're going to yep. be able to attract that top talent from New York, hopefully. Um, New York hasn't been a great basketball area in years because Syracuse is obviously not in the city. It's more – it's obviously more – it's it's just not in a – not in a metropolitan area, Syracuse. But I feel yeah. like St. John's is. It's right in the heart of, of Queens. So hopefully St. John's is going to be able to attract those inner city kids and make them play at St. John's and off them – scholarships that'll be be the the real thing it feels like there's kind of a slumber in the big in the inner cities they're either going to like rural areas for like you know the meat and potatoes kind of programs that really are established but if you can kind of activate and really harness kind of the potential that's in those cities i think that they can really make a run yeah Yeah, definitely like no go ahead oh no you finish your point Mine's no, I, I was just going like I, I agree 100 percent with Alex and Hayden. I think yeah, exactly. Take take advantage of the inner city kids, and uh, I don't I don't count them out next year. I think the worst would be middle pack team, you know, with the potential to be even better. You know, one of the uh, most annoying old people arguments, at least in the tri-state areas. I remember when St. John's was a powerhouse in the Big East and the NCAA's, and that's literally hitting eight. So that that was in the eighties, like that, and maybe this can final. I literally don't remember since I wa- started watching college basketball. St. John's that was ever being relevant. No, St. So, John's hasn't won a tournament game since. Well, it's been a while. Nineteen. Since we were born. Exactly. Yeah. So when you start oh, with yeah. the year nineteen, you know yeah, that's. No, hold on. No, no, no. I'm actually. I'm actually. No, they they, they were they were rel- I think I want to say nineteen ninety nine. They had a big run. Exactly. So they haven't won. They haven't won a tournament game in, in a very long time. The last hey. tournament. The last tournament game they won was in nineteen. Uh, I want to say nineteen ninety nine was the last tournament game they won. So there you go. Twenty four years ago, and yeah. uh, I mean, yeah, you know, they haven't. They that's haven't how you a, know. They haven't had a good run for a while, but I mean, I have to. I have to look through the seasons they've had. I remember um, there was a player named God's Gift in high school. No, they won it. They won a game in. Uh, they won a game in um two thousand. So the last tournament game they won was in two thousand. So it's been 20, 23 years since they won. Years. Years. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the interesting approach that we haven't really discussed either is what you know, Patino re-entering the Big East kind of an addition by subtraction. What if some of these programs start losing on the second and third year recruits that they would have normally had because he's in the conference too? Could be. I mean, yeah, that's a good point. 
always a problem. I think, I think yeah, I think uh, Rick Pitino's biggest thing, I think he needs to have a, a, an amazing uh, a portal. You know, he needs to go look into the transfer portal and really look for some senior guards maybe to come in and, and you know, that can really be a game changer for him. I think – it's established that the transfer portals could be really, really, you know, if you take advantage of it, it can really help your team. As we saw this year with UConn, we, we picked up a bunch of people in the portal, and it actually ended up helping out and working out for us. Man, the portal in all sports. Of, um, Ed Cooley going to uh, to Georgetown. Oh, he, That's he, a big one. Is that the rumor? I, I haven't heard no, of that. Yeah, actually, that was the he, Providence he, coach, he, correct? He, he accepted yeah. the job. Oh, he accepted the job? Yeah. I'm surprised. That is surprising. I would think that, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of Providence, but I think he had a he has a better chance with Providence over Georgetown. I think Georgetown is like another even even worse than St. John's program. They have a lot of rebuilding to do and I don't think they have the you know, the recruiting potential. Well, I'm I'm just kind of any solid guards up. He got a nice payday, um, but it just <laughs> it seems like it's gotta be money. It always comes down to money. It just, you know, it feels like cutting your nose by your face because it feels like he's leaving the, the 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 career he built short at Providence. They didn't have a big run, a deep run like we kind of all anticipated them, expected them to do. And the reality is, you're not going to win for at a minimum of three years down in Georgetown anyway. So <laughs> I'm kind of confused as to why he did it. Um, yeah, I don't see the reason right either. Now. I I think Georgetown. I I think he's kind of trying to resurrect the program. Um, they've been. In, I don't want to say irrelevant, but like St. John's, they haven't won in a very long time. So yeah, and no. but yeah, as a coach, you know, that's going to hurt his resume because in in these four years, let's say three four years, he doesn't end up resurrecting his, you know, the Georgetown, and that's going on his resume as like, all right, this guy can't build a program. He wasn't able to fix Georgetown. So, I mean, like it's a big risk. It's a, I'm, more, to I'm me, it's a more risk. Than, I mean, I'm I'm really surprised how good of a situation Providence is. Like I keep hearing all the time, like how great the facilities are. Like they have a top three facility in the Northeast. Like for the for the um the Big East. I mean, so I'm just very surprised how good the situation is at at Providence. Like I actually wonder who they're going to hire, um now. So it, it's going to be interesting. Like they got they got a big vacancy to to fill. So I mean. Oh, they just hired. They actually just hired uh, Kim English as as the head coach. Okay. So that's they hired a guy, they hired a guy from George Mason as the coach. So that, that's going to be an interesting hire. I mean, that's going to that, that, he's going into some big shoes to fill. Going, you know, going from Providence. Mason. You know, Providence being always being a top three team conference wise in the Big East. He's got big shoes to fill to be able to keep that. Because I, I guarantee, mean, as as a school, they're definitely looking for him. Yeah, I mean, Ed Cooley was the standard of the program. He really yeah. he turned them to a perennial winner. Just like they've they've had they've had a couple of like really good coaches. They have Patino coach there at, at Providence. I know Billy Donovan actually played for them. So yeah, they've had a lot of great players, Providence, that are they're a little bit under the radar. But I mean, it's good to see them bouncing back and becoming relevant because Providence is, is is good is good for the Big East and is uh, good for good for the North East as well. Our yep. final matchup to discuss in the West Region is Gonzaga versus UCLA. Now, I really wish I was uh, I stuck to my guns with uh, liking UCLA so much because they are not being slowed down from these injuries at all. And props to the Bruins there. And I really thought Gonzaga was going to have an early exit. I thought another um, 
I thought Grand Canyon was going to upset them, but they're still here somehow, some way. Drew Timmy getting back in the spotlight and stuff like that. But um, in this matchup, I think UCLA, clearly they're fine. They are fine, and they're playing still cohesive team basketball, and they're going to be a tough beat. And if only they were um, at full strength, I would take them. I would uh, have been more real with my picks and not be a phony and uh, pick somebody else. But I'll live with that if they take it all. I was I was with you on Northwest. I wanted Northwestern to take that game. I was so disappointed when they <laughs> lost. They looked great, you know. I, I was really happy how Northwestern playing. They just they couldn't finish out. But um, I think uh, UC with with the games being close with USA, other than you know the Asheville game, they they destroyed them. But the, how close the Northwestern game was by five points. I think uh, UCLA needs to really focus in if they're going to beat Gonzaga. Uh, like I said before, I think the key to Gonzaga is Timothy. You know, you shut him down, you shut their offensive, you know, pressure down, and you know it's easy to win by you know win the game at that point. But it seems to be hard to shut down Timmy, so uh, they got their work cut out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, mean, I have Gonzaga in this game. Um, I feel like Drew Timmy is going to take over. Um, I have them beating UCLA in this game in a, in a close game, but I have Gonzaga. Yeah, I, I'm going to take Gonzaga too. Just um, just coaching alone, I'll take uh, Mark Few over Mick Cronin. But um, I think it, it, these games are a little too close. First, with UCLA, um, they should have you know they should have the leadership on their side to like you know take a lot of these games over. They have a lot of fifth and sixth year guys that were extended because of COVID. But um, I'm definitely going to take right. Zach. Well, I think that. You get Timmy hot, um, get him isolated on the block. He's going to just command things. I was really impressed with how they took over that TCU game. It really wasn't as close as the scoreboard uh, kind of showed it. You know, I thought they really dominated TCU. So Mean, mean about that. But that wraps us up, gentlemen. Great work as always. We'll check in at the end of next week to preview the Final Four. And we have a lot of fun basketball ahead. This is a very interesting tournament. And uh, let's see what happens and see if we're going to celebrate maybe our Huskies. Will Hayden's sleeper pick a San Diego? Well, San Diego State keep shocking people. Like Hayden, the the few people commented and, and straight up laughed at you picking. Uh, I know some people straight up laughed at you picking San Diego State. Look at you now. Yeah, they're a good team, man. I, I I give it to Hayden. They're 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 insanely good team. I so, was really shocked at how they played too. I I am I'm I'm happy with that pick. I think they're gonna keep shocking the world. Yeah. So all a lot of storylines coming into this. Maybe Princeton keeps it going. Maybe Gonzaga can finally not screw it up and finally win the championship all along. I really there you make a case for all sixteen of these teams. Uh. Uh, something special in this tournament so we'll see how it all unfolds but that wraps it up Brandon Gutierrez Hayden Nather and Alex Ranelio see you next week thanks a lot guys yes how about that Alex Brandon and Hayden being all-stars once again great stuff on March Madness so let us switch it up and let's get some picks from Russ Miller on the Sweet 16 take them 
Put them through FanDuel, DraftKings, MGM, BetQL, BetRiver Sports, the Barstool Sportsbook. Put your bets in. Don't forget to gamble responsibly. And uh, let's see what Russ Miller has to say about the Sweet 16 and his picks for the tournament. All right, Russ, it's your turn. Here we go. I'd like to start in the West region where I will be, Las Vegas. Um, UConn Huskies playing uh, like they started the season 14-0. and Now they're playing like that 14-0 and team the last two games. The stat that, that comes out to me that, that uh, hasn't been brought up is, is their record outside of the Big East Conference this year. Folks, it's undefeated. Now, without me giving them a Maloik or a Schlepp or a Jinx, which is what Sal Licata did to the Mets and has done to the Mets. I will uh, reserve my my predictions only to say that if UConn does play the way they're capable, the way they've played in the past, they should win this game. Look for the big size mismatch. Uh, Arkansas plays fast, but if the if UConn could get to a half court type of game, uh, it, it could be over very quickly. So I like UConn uh, to advance uh, over Arkansas on Thursday in Las Vegas. Uh, Michigan State, what, who would who would ever have expected them to be the only Big Ten team still standing? Uh, Tom Izzo is a wonderful March coach. Uh, there's a joke going. It's January, February, Izzo, April, May. Uh, Tom Izzo is a, is a genius. He's also a great guy. I had the privilege of meeting him at an airport once in Detroit, and we wound up talking from one, from one gate to the next. He's just a, a wonderful coach and a good guy. I'm rooting for Michigan State, so they'll be my pick in that game. UCLA Gonzaga. The second game on Thursday night in Las Vegas uh, features Mick Cronin's UCLA team, who, uh, who in spite of injuries, has, has done fairly well in this tournament and, and will continue to do well as they just are a better team than Gonzaga. I like UCLA to win that game. And Tennessee, Florida Atlantic. Uh, don't sleep on the owls of Florida Atlantic, but I do think that Rick Barnes and his Tennessee uh, volunteers will, will win that game. And then when you match up the winners on Saturday, you have a UConn UCLA game. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give you a prediction there. Obviously I'm rooting very hard for the Huskies, but I'm not gonna give you a prediction. And then Michigan State, Tennessee, I think uh I think that uh I think that that's another toss up game and I just don't want to give you a, a thought either way on that. I think these are wonderful games. I mean anybody can win of those four teams uh of any of these teams could can make the in my opinion could make the final four, whether it be UConn, UCLA, Michigan State or Tennessee. So enjoy your Thursday night. Those are some good matchups. You got some good teams and um it should make for a wonderful Thursday of, of action in the NC2A tournament. Now heading to Friday's regional action, we have Texas taking on Xavier. Uh, Xavier with Sean Miller has done a pretty good job there uh, in his, uh, his first year at the helm of Xavier, or second year. I know he's a newer coach there at Xavier. Um, he's done a hell of a job coming out of the Big East. By the way, the Big East with three teams still playing out of the 16. Not a bad, not a bad uh, conference, as, as I thought all along. Very tough conference. And it, by the way, it just got tough with the addition of Rick Pitino to back into the Big East. I think St. John's will be a tournament team next year. You can mark it down now. NCAA tournament team for St. John's next season. I think he'll bring people in from the portal. He'll take care of his recruits and uh, away we go.
go there with St. John's. But back to Texas Xavier. I think Texas has too much firepower for Xavier. I think it could be a very close game, but I would I would side with Texas there. Houston and Miami. Uh, Kelvin Sampson continues to win, but I think Miami's onto something here, folks. I'm going with the U to upset the Houston team out in uh, their region there. I think Miami wins that game outright. So Miami's my upset special, if you will, I think for this tournament uh, on on Friday. Another game that should be very interesting, Princeton at Creighton. Princeton not at Creighton. Look, Princeton playing Creighton. Uh, Creighton uh, is a 10-point favorite in that game. Probably too many points to give Princeton. I think the game will be close. I would take the points, but I think Creighton survives a close one. And then Alabama, San Diego State. Uh, San Diego State, very much overlooked, but Alabama has too much firepower. I think Alabama advances. So I think the only upset, true upset you're going to see is Miami over Houston. Uh, Again, please don't take my word. I'm just a a, a guy like you guys are. I'm just trying to give you the the best thoughts here. So uh, again, and then you would have... um, you would have uh, the, the Texas, Miami, Creighton, and Alabama winning in those games. So uh, I wish you all well. Have a great week of college basketball. Uh, we'll see you next week. By Monday, we'll have a Final Four. By Sunday night, we'll have a Final Four in Houston. Uh, it will be a remarkable. This, these these uh, Thursday Thursday and Friday, those, those eight games are going to be very special. And a regional final should be very special, too. So enjoy your basketball. Uh, let's go, Huskies, though. Have a good one, guys. Bravo, Russ. Great job. Good luck on your picks, and uh, we'll see where it goes. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasting platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out all our exclusive content across our social media platforms, and that is Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at Pod, and TikTok at Productive Conversations. So that is a wrap for the shows this week. We will return next week with a lot of quality content. It is an extremely busy week next week. Wednesday, we have our Major League Baseball preview. We are previewing the MLB season. Opening day is this Thursday, and we will have our preview for it the day before. Next Wednesday, a week from today, we have our Major League Baseball preview show. It is going to be a big deal. You do not want to miss it. Then we have our Final Four preview next weekend as well, and we know how much fun this crew gives us, and we know how damn good those shows are. You do not want to miss our Final Four preview at the end of next week as well. And we also have WrestleMania. That's right. WrestleMania preview. WrestleMania 39. WrestleMania goes Hollywood. We're bringing in our dope guys for the Wrestlemania preview podcast and the week after we're reacting to all these things so again next week we have our Major League Baseball preview we have the Final Four we have Wrestlemania and we even have the Masters next week so much sports an extremely fun time of the year. Easter's around the corner as well. It's officially spring. It's getting warmer. Let's take advantage and let us live this life and enjoy it. I just want to thank my guests again, Brandon Gutierrez, Hayden Nadler, and Alex Ranelio for their insight on the Sweet 16 and their preview and analysis. I want to thank Russ Miller for his picks. I want to thank Alex DeJesus for what he does in producing content for this show online. And I want to thank you the greatest fans and listeners in the world for always tuning in, always supporting us, and always giving us 
incredible motivation. You know how much we love you, and thank you for always supporting. My name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is time to rest up and get ready to grind because we have nothing but quality content for you next week. You do not want to miss it. Until then, don't forget to check in on your friends and family, and I will see you next week for nothing but stellar quality content. All right, love you all. Peace. All she needed was some. 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 Had a Clippers game on the court side. Watch a nigga shoot like a four five. Ain't mad at me too. I got more five. Why these bitches see you go home ride? Go home ride. See some error in my bed. I'm a smart guy. I ain't fucking with you niggas like a part time. Nah. Summer, let's check my archive. I'm something so immaculate instead of asking what's happening. Rather blast a Jackson 5 in the back of an Acura acting blacker than the Bernie Mac and Charlie Murphy's and Akon. The girls that you brought, man, where are they from? Where are they from? We were playing PlayStation. Why you standing there and say song? Girl, say song. No, this ain't a vacation. This is my house, my house. All she needed was me. Space bar. Yeah. Man, I hate y'all. You only come around when you want to play pool on my hot tub. Ice cream paint job in the garage. Yeah. I had a menage yeah. and murder the vibes. But afterwards, it was awkward as fuck. Yeah. Cause I'm nervous as fuck. You cannot get it up. I, 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 I need a minute. Cold water to the face. I, I, I couldn't finish. Got the Uber from a place on my porch smoking vapor. Hit with the Sunday paper. Listening to the neighbors. All she needed was some.